0: The following audio comes from the National Disciple Making Forum by discipleship.org. The theme was relationships, and Radical Mentoring hosted a track called "Activate Your Men, Transform Your Church." That's where today's audio was recorded. Make sure to go online and download a free ebook written by their founder Reggie Campbell. It's called "Fill Your Seats." Download this ebook at no cost to you by going to discipleship.org/radical. So
1: when we started, um, it seems like several weeks ago, uh, but it was just yesterday, we started with this idea of how do you engage men differently in a culture that's pulling them in a thousand different directions at a thousand miles an hour. And so whether that's work or kids sports or own sports, whatever it is, it is very hard to get, for most churches, it's hard to get your men to engage in something especially if they don't think they need it. And so if, if the men are like me, who was baptized as an eighth grader, who I you know, became, became a fan of Jesus in the eighth grade, and it took me a while to become a follower of Jesus, I may not think I need church because I think I have checked that box already, and I don't realize what I'm missing out on, right? <coughs> Could be that maybe the environments aren't right, and so guys, just, if they weigh things out, they think that's not as important as some other things I'm doing. Could be the convenience of church now being available on a podcast and a online that we can get our church in different ways in different places. So we started there in first session, second session, we talked about a, a way to think differently where most ch- a lot of churches operate, trying to get people from the outside to come in. But if you could. Start with who you already have there on the inside, building a strong core of leaders who then make your outreach stronger. So we talked about how do you begin to do that. This morning talked about measuring disciple making results and that tension between the numbers that we like to that. We have to have numbers. We have to know who's in attendance, who's on the roll, how many givers we have. But we also know how to take those numbers and turn them into stories that will speak more to the people that are in the congregation or the new people that are coming. Earlier we talked about the cycle of same, we have a tendency to just do a lot of the same things and as the culture has changed a little bit around us, sometimes the things we've done in the past aren't resonating the way they used to. And In this session, we just want, I want to talk more about just some stories. We've got some videos in here um, that I hope will help capture sort of the impact of mentoring across the different participants in the mentoring process quick sort of 30,000 feet overview of Radical Mentoring. We're based out of Atlanta. Um, We're a 501c3. We have tested resources. We have about 225 churches that we know of that use our process. We give all of our resources away for free. So um, if you have one of these cards in front of you, you can go to this website, create an account. We will not ask for any personal information or credit card information or sell your information to anybody or any entity but we will give you access to everything that we have and the reason we can do that is because men and churches who have used the ministry and been touched by the ministry make donations so that we can continue to pay the ministry forward and so it is very much a pay it forward ministry our founder reggie started it today Um, myself trey brush here in the back and jackson beatler run the run the ministry on a day-to-day basis And our main job is really just to connect with church leaders who find us. Um, Reggie wrote a book in 2007 called Mentor Like Jesus, where he outlined what was not a unique process. He started mentoring guys in this small group environment um, back in 2000 just on his own. Neither Reggie and I are, are pastors or church guys. Reggie was leading some singles ministry, and so he became sort of the mentor of a lot of these single guys that he had been in contact with. And so he was going to Starbucks and Waffle House and all around Atlanta, meeting with these guys one-on-one and having these mentoring conversations. But what he began to realize is if I'm meeting with somebody at a table and I'm sharing this insight into my life or, or sharing a piece of my story with him and there's two other empty seats around the table, I'm really not maximizing my time. And so he began mentoring guys in 2000 in this small group environment. And in 2005, he started the outline for Mentor Like Jesus and wrote the book, which sort of outlines um, what Jesus did and why we think this mentoring model in a small group is incredibly effective. Most people think mentoring is sort of a one-on-one. Um, and we, what we're trying to do here is we combine the one-on-one because we certainly want one-on-one activity to happen between mentees in the group and between the mentor and the mentees but we think the power in that group is is a unique dynamic that really seems to transform the group and accelerate the process. And so we know Jesus was purposeful. We know he was selfless. He started with a group. He handpicked his mentees. Um, We we have an application process that we recommend that you use. We have guys apply to be a part of the group, which may feel a little bit elitist. Um, That's not the intent. The intent is to, to create an environment that's a higher, um, a higher level of commitment than guys are typically used to. And you want them to apply to be a part of that. He defined for a short, defined period of time. We have a nine and 12-month tracks that we have kind of tested and worked through that um, give you some, some things to run on. Scripture was at the core. Obviously, he wrote Scripture. We can't do that. Uh, prayer was huge. He modeled that. He taught the disciples how to pray. He taught them along the way of life. We have a tendency to kind of go content first and class first, and then try to attract people into those environments. What we're trying to do here is take the relationships first and then apply the content piece to wherever people are in their age and stage of life. He was transparent, there was commitment to each other. We have mentees, once they apply and are accepted into the group, we have them sign a covenant document that says, I'll be at every meeting, I'll do the homework assignments, I'll." participate, and uh, I'm going to be confidential with the things that happen in the group. So we have a high level of commitment, and then we require that multiplication to happen, just like Jesus did. We may not have the requirement be you graduate from a mentor group, and then you start your own group. It may be you graduate, and then you go lead your small group better, or you maybe lead a teen group, or, or you go, but you go apply the things that were taught to you, and you go find an environment that works for you and multiply that. So the components of a meeting, um, we have a a retreat that happens up front and a retreat that happens on the back end, and then in between those retreats, we have a monthly component that meets for three hours a month. Some of you think, how can you get anything done only meeting once a month for three hours? And some of you think, what in the world do men talk about for three hours? Um, we provide a really solid structure for that. And so the process is, in between these meetings, guys are reading a book around a topic. Maybe the topic is prayer. um, And they're reading a book about prayer, and they're writing a one-page summary of what that book meant to them. It's not a critique of the author, but they're well-versed authors that are pointing them back into the Word of God. They're memorizing two verses by keyword. Um, Research says that if you can tie a key word to the memory, it becomes something that gets recalled much easier. And so, if a key word is uh, fear, and they're in a situation where they've got some anxiety about a decision, or they're worried about something, they know 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So that fear triggers the memory, takes them back to the Scripture. So they'll memorize two verses for each session, so they'll end up with Roughly 16 to 24 verses memorized. They'll complete growth assignments, homework assignments that they go out and they apply them. They may be marriage-related or tied to their own spiritual development. They have some one-on-one community with another guy in the group, oftentimes one-on-one with a mentor. And they commit to pray for themselves, their mentor, and the other mentees. So that's what happens in between. The front end of that meeting is what we call a story retreat. I don't think there's anything that we do or recommend that we do as a ministry that's more important than what happens in these story retreats. So the very first session, the mentor shares their story, and the mentor needs to share the non-Sunday school version of the story, not the Saturday night with the guys at the bar story, not but not the the Sunday school, say, inside the walls of the church story. The one that highlights, doesn't highlight highlight the sin, shares the sin, highlights the redemption, and then continues to talk about the things that that mentor is struggling with today. So not necessarily, you want the mentees to kind of understand that the mentor is just like they are. Then the mentees in this retreat setting will share their stories at the same speed and transparency as the mentor did. And so the next time they're together, they'll do a 24-hour retreat with each other, all sharing stories. Each group has about six to eight guys in those groups. And they'll begin to share their stories. And the mentor will hear things like, I've never told anybody this before. The mentees will hear, I didn't know you were dealing with that. I thought I was the only guy in the world that was struggling with this issue. And so as those walls come down, it makes the content piece of the process move a lot easier because you're opening up and allowing people to speak into your life, we we started with Reggie. Uh, we worked with five churches in Atlanta, and over the last five year, uh, last three years, we've really seen the growth curve impact. And this this particular quote is one that um, really seems to resonate with folks. It's a guy named, by the name of Tim Elmore. He does a lot of work in the area of um, coaching and and teens. But he says more time with fewer people equals greater kin- kingdom impact. So this idea of leaving the coffee shop and going to the dining room table is sort of the mentality that caused Reggie to have his shift in perspective. So today we work with 225 churches of all shapes and sizes and denominations and cities and states and countries. We have about another 300 churches or so that we're actively engaged in that will probably launch between now and this time next year. 2,500 other churches have got an account set up and they've got access to the resources 7,000 men have been mentored. We want to see 20,000 mentored by 2020. We've got somewhere around 820 mentors. And so here's all we want today. We want to help you activate the men in your church. We want to give you free access to the resources. But most importantly, what Trey and I love to do is work with church leaders, both staff and lay leaders, guiding them along the way in the process is I tell folks often there's good news and bad news. The good news is the resources are free. The bad news is we provided everything. So it can feel a little overwhelming. There may be places where you have some questions. Our job is just to make sure we're in a dialogue with you to help you find things you need or skip over things you don't need and get you to kind of the meat of what you're trying to accomplish. And so um, once you connect with us, unfortunately, you're sort of stuck. We sort of hang with you a little bit and want to make sure that um, that you either, as they say in NASA, go or no go for lunch, right? So in this session, we're going to talk a little bit about these kind of viewpoints and different stories that we've captured along the way. Um, we know, as, as a general rule, that we really can't help anybody until we understand and have this idea of a coherent narrative of our own lives, right? I mentor guys, this is my, so I've experienced radical mentoring as a mentee. Reggie mentored me in a group in 2002. I'm leading my second group now of guys. And then as executive director, I get to kind of experience it working with churches. Um, I'm 42, been married 18 years, have two boys that are 12 and nine. Understanding my story and the narrative of my story allows me to mentor guys that are now 28 to early 30s, newly married with young kids. Because knowing that that was the point where I got off the rails a little bit, allows me and gives me a desire to want to speak into those guys' lies at that same moment in time. Help them navigate when somebody says, hey, travel when your kids are young. That's the best time to travel. Which is the first lie I bought. The second lie I bought was, well, if, you, if you're only gone three nights, you're technically home four nights, so you're home more than you're gone, so I think you're doing fine. So I bought that series of lies that caused my life to kind of take a series of uh, negative turns, but understanding my narrative allows me to then communicate that into other people's lives. Men you're dealing with, are dealing with an intense amount of shame, I would imagine. You may not know that because they don't talk about it, but what I think what keeps some guys away from church, and we and. We may talk about this in a second. I can't remember uh, necessarily what's coming up next. People ask us, well, why do you use the word mentoring? This is not the National Mentoring Forum; it's the National Disciple Making Forum. So why don't you use the term disciple making or discipleship in your process? Um, I don't know if that was on purpose. If it was an accident, when Reggie started doing this, he was not in the. He was not a uh, still not a, a church pastor. Mentoring was the, was the language that was most comfortable for him coming out of the business world. Um, and we've just continued to adopt that. We are discipling and disciple-making. Um, we're doing all the things that you would expect in a traditional discipleship environment, but we chose to take the more churchy word out of it to try to lower any hurdles that may keep somebody from wanting to step into it. And I mean that lovingly, but I think if I'm a guy dealing with a little bit of shame, I don't think I want to be in a discipleship course because I don't feel like I may not be qualified to be discipled. I may understand contextually the word mentoring a little bit better and that may feel a little bit easier. It may be a shorter step. They're going to get discipleship and they're going to get disciple making because they're going to experience authentic leadership. Mentoring just is a maybe slightly more culturally um, safe for some guys that may feel like, a full step into discipleship they may not qualify for. And this is what we experience often in these groups. C.S. Lewis said, true friendship begins when one person looks at another one and says, you too. When these guys sit around and they begin to share their stories and whether it's alcohol or pornography or anger, whatever it might be, so many men all that stuff in because they don't think anybody else can relate to them and it usually takes one person being bold enough to share that story that that vulnerability moves around that circle which is what bonded me with the guys 15 years ago when they we were all mentored together which is why i still keep in touch with them and see them at least once or twice a year because we went very transparent very vulnerable very quickly and it's that idea of being friends and sharing that that common pain i was with a group of mentors from a church in Omaha, Nebraska about a month ago. And three of the mentors said that several of the guys in their group described themselves as friendless when they first entered the group. nobody They didn't have the 2 a.m. friend, the guy they could call when something went awry. They just, they just got up every day, they put their suits on, they did their work, they faked it, they came home, they survived, got up the next day and did it again, but they didn't have those friends. And so this is really an important piece of um, helping these guys generate friendship as well. And so here, here's what I would imagine you to think about. Your church with stronger male leaders, a weekday ministry as good as Sunday. We had a pastor in, um, outside of Minneapolis say radical mentoring is one of the only ministries, if not the only ministry they use that doesn't revolve around the big C building church. We want guys to meet in the home of the mentor. For whatever reason, guys think that the walls of the church has ears. And they may not be quite as transparent or vulnerable if they're meeting in, in, the, in the home or in the church building. And so when they can get around the dining room table and have that dialogue, it, it creates a different environment for them. Life change without more st- staff or more money. Obviously, the resources are free. Um, some of our best churches that we work with have a very strong lay leader who catches the vision, engages the senior pastor and the staff pastor, but who really runs with and owns the mentoring process with the blessing of the senior and the staff pastor. I never fully appreciated until I started working with churches about four years ago how many times pastors phone ring with a new opportunity to look into something or try a new process or a new, a new program. And this can truly be run by, uh, by a, a layperson. Increasing giving of time, talent, and treasure, both of the mentees and the mentors. You may be helping some mentor profiles find a little bit of purpose. And ultimately stronger men, marriages, and families. And we know the waterfall effect that happens when God captures the heart of a man. So who are the key players? Um, I just mentioned this a second ago. And I also know that um, not all churches are created equal. So not all churches have a senior pastor and a staff pastor. Sometimes the senior pastor is the staff pastor, is the lead custodian. We know it it varies across the board. But when we think about the churches that we, we work with, oftentimes it's some combination of senior staff pastor, lay leader, and mentees. The senior pastor, they may not lead a group. In fact, more often than not, they will not lead a group because every time a senior pastor finishes on Sunday, They know that in another seven days, another one's coming. Now, I will tell you that senior pastors who lead groups, I had Dan Eubanks, who was up here from Kentucky. um, He said that had he known that leading this group of guys this year would have given him sort of a, a group of five really protected men that he could kind of take issues to and challenges to, he wishes he would have done that five years ago when he planted the church that just having a group of guys who are locked arms with him, that they can sort of know his struggles, has been incredibly powerful. Chad Moore, who I've got to show a video. Chad, he's with a church in um, Charleston, South Carolina. Chad started leading groups three years ago now. Same, same dynamic. It's the, it's the ability for a senior pastor to have a core group of men who, by the way, the senior pastor still shares the story, still is transparent and vulnerable with these guys, but they've all signed this confidentiality agreement and they're all in it together. And so he's just said what a powerful thing it is in his ministry to be able to have just a small group of guys who he gets to go deeper with. Tested resource, um, increased giving. We've seen in in some surveys, certain results I'll show you, um, men who've gone through radical mentoring have increased their giving or significantly increased their giving to the church or to other ministry causes 58%. We know if God gets their heart, he gets their wallet as well. Disciple making and leader development. What do you need from him? Support, signature, and a vision. You may need your senior pastor to send out an email to some people to say, hey, I'd like you to consider mentoring. I'd like, you to, I'd like to invite you to be a part of this mentoring group. Senior pastor may have to introduce you to somebody who can just help you with some logistical things in the church if you need it. And again, they may know people that you don't know. They may have access to people that you may not have access to that um, could benefit from being a part of the process as a mentor or as a mentee. Let me show you this video of uh, the church at Life Park outside of Charleston, South Carolina. Slides technology today. One time I couldn't get them to play, and that time I can get them to play without sound. So anyway, that's in all the way. Yeah, doing its thing. what Chad essentially says in that video is, Chad describes their environment as a 101, 201, 301 church. 101 being events, Sunday mornings, uh, men's events, women's events, speakers, whatever it might be, where he gets people, where they get people in the door. Step one, step two, they want to get somebody into a group, not a high commitment group. Just want to get them into the group, make the big C church a little bit smaller, get them into some community with each other, lower commitment, good teaching, better hospitality oftentimes, just trying to make sure that people feel welcome in the environment. The 301 environment for them is radical mentoring, where they identify key people who want to go a little bit further and a little bit faster. And so the leaders of those group may say, hey, you need to ask Daryl to apply to be a part of it. He'd be a great person to be in it. And so Daryl then applies to be a part of the the mentoring group. Key thing, we're not asking to, we don't want to replace anything you're doing. We don't want to replace your men's ministry. We don't want to replace your discipleship process. We don't want to replace anything you're doing for leader development. We'd like to be a piece of that. Because of the commitment level we're asking people to make, it's just impossible to be the entire piece of the puzzle. But in Chad's case, guess what's happening in his 201 groups environments? They're getting a whole lot better because people are experiencing authentic leadership inside their, the leadership mentoring group, and then as they go back and they attend their small groups on a weekly basis, they're taking what they've learned and they're transferring that into their small group. Then when they get out, he's hoping they go up and they lead the 201 environments again, so it's becoming the development pipeline for other ministries in his church other churches we work with have men identify their personal ministry plan. They help them think about where do they want to serve when they get out of this environment. So they may give them four or five areas where they need somebody to serve. They may give them the names of the contacts or connect them with that person so that when they get out of the mentoring group they don't just sit on the experience and then go and take that into a different environment. Staff pastor, uh, the person that's responsible for men's ministry, um, may not be by title. Men's ministry could be discipleship, administrative, executive, pastor, wherever that title might be. Again, helping identify mentors and mentees and maybe just helping with some of the logistics of getting things done in and around the church. So what makes a good mentor? When I talk with church leaders who, who after they've launched a group, they call with some questions about why things may not be going quite as well as they thought it would. Two main things that um, are, are typically pretty thematic throughout that process. One is they don't pick the right mentors. This one being incredibly critical. This facilitator versus teacher. You may have some of your best teachers, some of your most engaged teachers, who would love to be mentors but they may just not be very good at being a mentor. Because they think getting six guys around a dining room table to tell them everything they know about marriage for three hours is a dream come true for them, but it's not for the six guys that show up. You need somebody who just understands the ability to engage in a dialogue, pull somebody in, cut somebody off, who can navigate that facilitation process. That's an incredibly important piece of the the puzzle, is selecting the right person who knows how to facilitate. The other one is this idea of willing to set and hold others to a high standard. We want to be inclusive, we need to be inclusive, But if guys are signing up for something with a high level of commitment, they're asking to be held to that high level of commitment. So one of the things they sign is that they're gonna be on time. The mentor signs, they're gonna be on time and they're gonna end on time. I was late for my second meeting, about five minutes late, and um, I had a really good cup of Starbucks in my hand and when I walked in, Reggie had already told the guys, don't say anything, just sit there nice and quiet. So I walked in, dead silence, dead silence for about another two minutes, sat down on the table and Reggie said, basically now we can start. You wasted five minutes of my time and five minutes of the time of everybody else around this table. We all signed the same level of commitment. Let's not be late again. Grace and truth, right? He didn't kick me out of the group and say, never come back again. You violated it. He wasn't so graceful and didn't hug me. Oh, I'm so sorry you were late. We're so glad you're here and you he didn't go back to the beginning and talk about everything that we have a tendency to do when the guy walks in late. We stop and we go all the way back and we say, here's where we started. No, he just said, hey, just don't be late again. And guess what? I was never late again. Guys are gonna, may forget homework. They may not read the book. There will there, be things that happen and a mentor that's willing to say, hey, we signed this, we're in this together, don't let it happen again. The other thing we do here, which is unique, is we build the calendars at the very first meeting. So we ask these guys to sign these covenant documents and then bring their wife-approved calendar with as many events that that are scheduled throughout the year. And you will go through nine months in advance or 12 months, and you'll pick out the dates that you want to meet. It is incredibly painful. But if you can get it locked in people's calendar, then they can adjust around it. Now, somebody may have to move one along the way, but you, you, you never get to the end of a meeting and go, OK, let's pull out our calendars and see when we're going to meet next. Because everybody's got those dates already figured out. So again, it's that idea of dates are on. If you need to change a meeting, there's a process we recommend for that. But you just got to be willing to hold these guys to the standard of what they signed up for. Two questions people say, where is the how do you profile a mentor? I don't have, we don't have any other way to do it other than to answer these two questions. If your 30-year-old son came home, and said that so when Kevin was gonna be his mentor, would you go, yes, or would you think, I'm gonna have a lot of damage control to do in 12 months because I have no idea what Kevin is gonna to try to teach my son. It's a little bit of that gut check around who are the people that you'd want your son to be mentored by. If you had an unlimited number of elders, who else would you wanna bring into that elder circle? We know you can't have an unlimited number, but there's obviously guys on the fringe that you think would be great elders if you had room for them, they may be great mentors. Thinking about that profile of a guy is um, the type of person that you're looking for to be involved in the mentor process. What what John's saying in that video is, you will hear potential mentors say they're not qualified to be a mentor. And what what John's saying in there is that oftentimes, experiences that have gone really dull to the mentor, really important life experiences that have kind of become numb, may be the thing that a group of mentees are dying to learn about. But to you, you think, well, it's just another thing. Another moment in my life that happened that's not that important. And younger guys may be really dying to get access to that information. Good mentees, potential leaders. Oftentimes they may be, um, they may not be leading the small group, but maybe they're the the next person in line that the small group leader thinks is the person that would be a great leader. They've got to be objective, humble, willing to take feedback. Um, That's one of the things you sign on that confidentiality agreement is that you'll take feedback from the mentor you got to be willing to understand and take that. You've got to be committed to Jesus. This is not a great um, conversion tool for new, new believers or, not, or for non-believers. Because if you have a non-believer in a group, that person becomes the project. And it's just not comfortable for the non-believer, nor is it comfortable for the other guys in the group. So you want to be committed at some level to Jesus. Obviously, that's a really hard thing to judge if you don't know them well. Uh, we have an application process that uh, we recommend people use, and it just ask guys to write out their faith story. So you want them to be able to script a faith story that, as best you know and as best God knows, is the, is the true faith story for them. Now you may find they come out of the experience different than they thought they were in the beginning, but um, you want them to at least have a commitment to Jesus, and you want them to be willing to pay it forward. The kind of the guys are going to be the next generation leaders at your church. We're not going to try that again. Um, this would be a really good video if I could, if I could figure out how to play videos. Um, as, I, as I shared with some of the groups earlier, the very first time you do this is always the hardest because you're getting mentors to sign up for something that they're not terribly comfortable with, they don't know a lot about. You're asking mentees to apply to something where, let's be honest, we don't want to think we're the only guy in the room that's applying for something and so you start to wonder if you did something wrong to get picked out to be a part of the group. So the first one's really hard, but once you begin to get through that first season, not only will your mentors refer people into the process because they begin to understand what that process holds, your mentees will begin to refer people into the process. And then this, this, um, this video shows your best recruiting source ends up being your, the wives of the mentees. Because if they're the, experiencing the life change that's happening in the lives of their husbands and they're talking about it and they're noticing it, they're going to want other wives to have a chance to experience that. And so um, if you can capture some of the wives' stories, it ends up being also another uh, pretty powerful part of the the process. Um, If if you connect with us via that that link, you'll end up on our webpage. I want to just show you a couple little snapshots of what that looks like so you may know what you're looking for log into your account um, like you do most places in the upper right hand corner again we're not going to sell this information this is just giving you access to the resources when you get onto the web page you'll see these four steps prepare equip connect and launch this is everything you need to know pre-launch so under prepare if you need to ask your senior pastor to give a message at a potential event it actually has in there Something you could suggest the senior pastor talk about. We all know they're going to talk about more than likely whatever it is they want to talk about. But you may be nice to say, hey, here's maybe a little bit of a vision of what I'm trying to accomplish at this meeting. An invitation for the senior pastor to send out to mentors to invite guys to be a part of the mentoring process. Equip has some training sessions for mentors. If you need to get something into the hands of some of these guys who you see as capable mentors, but they may just need a little bit of... um, a little bit of assistance. So how do you facilitate a meeting versus teach a meeting? How do you share your story? Connect talks about how do you, again, invite mentees into the process? How do you create your groups? We have email invitations written out for you available in PDF documents or uh, Word documents. That way, if it's a Word document, you can take out anything you don't like, add what you want, and just make it, um, make it take the form of whatever it is that you need it to take form of to make the most sense for your church. And this launch is just kind of that very last step. How do you create your tracks? How do you set your meeting dates? And some of those best practices you'll find in there. We have mentoring plans already made out. We have a nine-month plan and a 12-month plan that's already done. We have the ability for you to also create your own plan. We've got 24 different topics you can choose from. I recommend always starting here out of the box. Again, this is all free. There's, this is not all, this is just access. The books we recommend are not books we've written. They're just books that we think speak the most into these, into these topics. The nine month plan, um, we developed this one only because churches really like things in nine month windows. 12 months is really ideal. You're, you're getting through some more significant topics, but sometimes churches like the idea of going nine because it fits the school calendar. So not only do we give you the plan, uh, we also provide all the documentation you would need. So if you go to the bottom of that page, you'll see a document called a matrix, which is just a one-page snapshot that you will allow you to see everything that happens in that mentoring season. Then we also have a nine-month, or a 12-month binder. You can send that Kinko's, you can print it out at your office, but that gives you every piece of information you need for every topic for each session of the mentoring season. Everything you would need would be a conversation guide, an agenda for each topic, homework assignments, the scripture memory. Um, It's all really established in one document for you so you can go to one place, print it out once and have all the information you would need um, to walk you through that mentoring season. Again, the same thing exists for the twelve month as well as that nine month. Two other things and we'll do a little bit more a little more Q&A. Two other things you have underneath your account. Each account has its own uh, mentor ID that has its own application. So you can cut and paste this link, add it to your email, and send it out. And if somebody responds when somebody responds back with their application, you'll get a notice that says, hey, Bill just completed his application for the mentoring group. You can come back to our website and grab all your applications at once. When you get to the end of the mentoring season, you also have a summary document that um called a survey that will allow you to do a very similar thing get some surveys out to the men um, of your church asking them about that mentoring experience and then giving you a chance to sort of see those results we'll put together a report for you um, so that you can also see sort of what that um, mentoring season meant to some of those guys so this is a this uh, we've got we've had about 500 or so uh, mentees fill out this survey from about 20 different churches. This is a relatively new thing we just added. Um, it helps us because we can get a bigger, broader picture of the survey results, but then we also put together a report that would be just what happens inside your own church's surveys. 97% of the men say they've deepened their walks. 98% say their life has improved. 96 their marriage has improved. 98% developed as a man and a leader. 90% developed intentional relationships. increase their giving to the churches. So you can get some of the statistical data, which answers kind of part of it. Then there's a second piece of it that would be things like which two books were the most beneficial, which two books were the least beneficial. And then you get some of the open-ended comments as well about what would you change, what would you do differently. Um, We keep all that together for you. That way before you launch again, you can kind of go, all right, I picked these two books, maybe I should shift and find something else that maybe works differently. So it gives you a chance to get a a little uh, snapshot of what's happening inside your groups. And this is just, uh, I think, powerful. Um, We have 12 mentors who've led at least five groups since 2001. Of those 12 mentors, it represents 88 groups, 655 men, and out of that 655 men, there have only been 16 divorces, which is a 2.44% divorce rate. So there's a stickiness that happens when guys are willing to be transparent about what's struggling at home, they're willing to talk to other guys who may be in a similar position with them, and then they kinda know that they're gonna have to work through it with this group of guys who won't let them quit, because we all know it's really easy to quit in this day and age on, um, on our marriages, and so I think that's just a pretty powerful statistic that sort of summarizes some of the work that's done in, the, in uh, men's marriages through this process.
0: You've been listening to the Disciple Makers podcast. Make sure to download your copy of the free ebook called Fill Your Seats at discipleship.org radical. You'll find dozens of other great resources just like this one at discipleship.org as well. May the Lord bless you as you seek to grow as a disciple maker.